looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this is Drawn Text to Trek Trek. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vendorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 259th installment of the Tex Trek podcast. Also, the 15th, 15th installment. Drawn to Trek. I like your, your pre, the, the name for the show. It's like, that's really good for C, uh, SEO. It's just like, everything is like, all the words are there. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna tuvix everything, all the titles together. Why not? <laughs> uh, appropriate for that. the show. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but uh, yeah, we're uh, tonight we're we're talking about some Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, specifically season four, episode three in the Cradle of Vexalon, written by Ben Waller and directed by Brandon Williams. Uh, Aaron, you know what's the cool thing about uh, those two creatives? I don't know if if you saw this, but uh, yes. Ben Waller had had actually worked as a writer's assistant, and Brandon Williams had had been on the show as a as a storyboard artist, and they got promoted. Just like the characters, <laughs> just like just like Boimler, they they yep. had to uh, write and direct this episode, so they they had to be the uh, the the big boys in in charge. So that's cool. That's cool. And that I did that, get uh, information about from them for your Gorn eggs. When when we get to it, I'll tell you. So fun. So uh, yeah, something to look forward to at the end of the show. We we'll have our Gorn egg section where we go over all the Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections that we think are worth mentioning. I was going to throw in that in case like we missed something. Someone's like, well, why didn't you bring this up? And I was like, well, it's just the ones we thought were worth mentioning. So we're not going to point out every time someone uses a tricorder or hypo spray. So. <laughs> Somebody did. I actually saw that the other. It was like, I think it was this week or last week. But it was just like, that was an Easter egg. I'm like, no, a hypo spray is not it. It's no. <laughs> yes. I, I know who you're talking about, but we don't need to. Uh, it's, it's someone <laughs> that we both like, so we don't need to yes, throw exactly. any shade right now. But before we get into that, I do want to say thank you to all of, of the text Trek Patreon supporters, uh, your support definitely means a lot to us. It uh, helps us uh, cover the expenses of, of doing a weekly uh, live show. So to uh, celebrate, we like having a monthly watch party. You can come into the Patreon as well as $2 a month. That'll get you into the watch party. If if you can afford to be more generous, there's additional perks as, as well. But uh, we're having, if you're checking us out live Friday right now, uh, we actually are having a watch party tomorrow on Saturday the 15th, or I'm sorry, the 16th of September. If you're listening to us on the podcast later, it's already happened, but we'll have another one in October, so don't worry. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be continuing our TAS 50th anniversary with uh, what's Ooh. widely considered the uh, the most popular, beloved, greatest episode of, of that show, and, and my personal favorite. So uh, Aaron, if you want to remind everyone what, what those two episodes are. Ah, it is Yesteryear and, uh, oh shoot. The uh, slaver weapon, yeah, yes. Which yes, is okay. like Larry Niven <laughs> having a big yeah, week. Exactly. It was just like, wait, is this a trick? Because was it something else? <laughs> I know we talked about the jihad at one time too. So it's like that's that's one of my that's one of my top five favorite. Even though, like yeah. I just because just it's the most like 
Saturday morning car like my Saturday morning cartoons of like it's the eighties. It's, it's the closest to that. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a, like a like a party, you know, like a a party, and it, like everyone has like a different skill set. Yeah, it's very very like RPG. Turn that game, into a game that would be interesting. Yeah, well, we do have the uh, the the new expansion for Star Trek Adventures now that with maybe I maybe, don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we could maybe we could uh, if not those specific characters, something in the spirit of that. Yeah. you know. That is that is a goal to eventually do a playthrough online at some point. I'm sure, like, uh, you know, when you're a grumpy ancient old cat lady who likes to recruit the best of the best and send them on these universe-saving missions, that that seems like the perfect formula for an RPG game to me. Yeah, she's the DM basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so tomorrow it's yet yesteryear and uh, the Slaver Weapon, the only show that didn't it, between TOS and TAS that did not have Captain Kirk in it. Yeah. And if, if people want more drawn to Trek, more animated Trek, more TAS appreciation, we did a uh, live stream last weekend that people can check out on YouTube on the Text Trek YouTube channel that had uh, a lot of cool people. We had uh, Jesse Jinder came and visited with us. Uh, La uh, Larry Nemechek was there. Uh, Aaron Walkie from Star Trek Prodigy was there. And Aaron Waltke's daughter, who is a baby. <laughs> yes. Uh, little Ramona, her, her yes. first uh, YouTube live stream. Uh, so that was that was a fun crowd. <laughs> Jill forty seven is saying, "How much do we have to super chat to add the jihad to the watch party?" And uh, I I don't know. I didn't. I don't think that's like a monetary concern. It's just like a time concern. We might we might be able to squeeze well, in the jihad. In a, maybe a future Patreon watch party. Um, I don't know. I think we could probably squeeze it in tomorrow too. Yeah. Do do three episodes. We uh we'll we'll see. It, it depends on what what time allows. But I don't know. Fiftieth anniversaries only come once in a while. True. I'll, I'll, if, uh, if, if anyone, I'll tell you what, like if anyone wants to super chat anything for one super chat of whatever amount the jihad is worth to you, <laughs> we'll, 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 we can, we can make time for the jihad tomorrow. If, some people might have to leave a little early, but, uh, if people can stick around, we'll pull it off. Cool. But I don't know. Is there, is there any news this week? We got a release date for the video game that, uh, that Star Trek, uh, oh, RPG yeah. game on, uh, the, or oh, wait, strategy no. game coming to PC. Star Trek oh, Infinite? Yeah, I, I I saw a blip about that. I didn't get a chance to actually look into it. October 12th, right? Yeah. It's pretty soon. So 20 days from day of recording. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. If people want to see me stream that, let me know. I might might do some... Uh, some I, I don't typically don't play strategy games, so I don't know. I might suck at it. I might hate it. Um, we'll see. But I, I, will, I will give it a try. Rachel and I are trying to uh, re reboot our uh, Star Trek Online. She went further than I did the first time, but it's like I'm, I need to rebuild a new yeah. character and all that. And we've also just found out that uh, a lot of us all have PlayStations and can play Star Trek Online. I guess together. I've played Star Trek Online on my PlayStation before, but I've never tried to play online with other people. So we, you and me and Rachel can all play together, actually. Does Dave have right? One? And <laughs> and uh, uh, Dave has a PlayStation, and uh, Sohel has a PlayStation, and wow. uh, Braxton has a PlayStation. So there's a lot of us with a, PlayStations. <laughs> that would be interesting. That's a huge like a text trek uh, STO group or something. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize there was like a lot of overlap there. So so yeah, that that just came out. Uh, I think Rachel figured that out yesterday. Like, hey, we do all have PlayStations. So. <laughs> We might. We, who knows? We might do something That'd be fun. there. But another short trek came out. Very short trek. Yes. Which moving on. Have... No. <laughs> <laughs> people, 
people have actually requested Aaron that we we talk about the the very short treks is what they're what they're called the, uh, the little short promos yeah um I think when we will talk all about them when they're done. all to, yeah exactly yeah well because I mean like they're only they're only like five minutes like we could I, I feel like after 15 minutes we will have exhausted everything we could yeah. say about it so well I'm 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 looking forward to Aaron Waltke's just because I feel like it actually might be Star Trek. Um, and the other ones have very, they've got a TV funhouse, bad SNL skit yeah. sort of feel to them. Adult Swim, that's the other thing I heard. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch Robot Chicken? That's what they make me think of the I most. I did, but I feel like Robot Chicken was funny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just like, Maybe because it is Star Trek, it's just like an NTAS and the 50th anniversary. That It's like none of that is coming off to me as if it's a celebration of TAS. It kind of seems like they're making fun of it. There's even oh, there's a comic book that comes out I think this week, and they're free um, online. Yeah, StarTrek.com, and yeah. then they're going to have printed copies available for free in October at New York Comic Con. Yeah, and they made their bad guy with the last name of Fontana, which seems like kind of a slap in the face to DC Fontana. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yeah, so you can use her name. That's clever, but like, don't use right. it as the bad guy. Make it a captain or something. Like I can't imagine that was the intention, but it does show yeah. like a maybe is, maybe put a little bit more you know thought into the, into that type of stuff. From what I've seen of the comic book, it's really more of like a an homage to Gold Key Comics than it is to TAS. It, it's not drawn like TAS, like. and it doesn't really yeah. So Maress is in there and looks like almost human. <laughs> I guess that could be a nod to the Peter Pan uh, records that she didn't. She was like blue and looked completely nothing like Maress did. Oh, what was that? The Peter Pan records? Yeah, they're like about? records as, uh, that came out when I was a little kid in the 70s that uh, had a story and, you know, flip or turn the page kind like of the, thing. Like the storybook, yeah. Like, the, like yeah. when you hear the sound effect, turn the page. Yeah. That's where we had the white Uhura, uh, the black mm. Sulu, and then the blue Mares. It's like nobody knew what the color, the, the model mm. sheets were. And it's like, and turning a, an African-American person into a white person is kind of a bad thing. Yeah, which actually like has happened in the comic book industry a, a few times. Like the colorist doesn't know a character is supposed to be black and on their first appearance, they're they're white. Like that's, uh, that's yeah. happened a, a few times, uh, embarrassingly. So, um, so, but yeah, so that's, you know, it could be a, a nod to those. So uh, I think we could probably talk about all of them at the same time. We can talk about the comics and the the shorts when they're all all together complete yeah. so at some some point in the future yeah we'll uh, we'll address that um but in the meantime we do have this episode of lower decks to talk about in the cradle of vexalon uh, i'm just going to uh, quickly recap it by reading the official synopsis and then kind of expand on that with spoilers to refresh it for everyone but the official synopsis reads boimler leads his first away mission on an alien megastructure and uh, yeah, we opened the episode with a mission to a, uh, a Halo ring if you play Xbox. But uh, yeah, the uh, or Larry or, uh, Niven's a, a ring, ring World, world from yeah. 1970. Yeah, I think he was. I looked it up, and he is apparently the He's person the first. who sort of yeah who created it. The, people call it a Dyson ring sometimes, but Dyson was like quoted as saying that would never work. So I don't think he probably <laughs> Dyson I, does not want his name on it. No, I believe that <laughs> actually after Dyson said all that stuff and talked about it that. Larry went in and changed it, the next version of the book to update some of the science and the, the mm. mathematics to the ring and stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting. How about we call it a Niven ring? Yeah. <laughs> just throw well, I like how they, they got away with not calling it anything and just calling it a mega structure. I thought that was yeah. very, very clever of them. <laughs> I guess we should we should refer to it as the uh, as the alien mega structure. But yeah. 
But yeah, uh, Boimler does his first uh, first mission in command of other people, something I was looking forward to seeing when they got promotions. And yes. so, yeah, that's obviously potential for a story. So we got to see that story here. And uh, through some some hardships, they do. They save the, the alien megastructure. It tried to uh, reboot its entire, I guess, um, planetary life cycle. But they uh, they stopped the ring world apocalypse on the megastructure. And while that was going on, Genesis like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the regenesis, which I thought was a funny word. Genesis. <laughs> oh yeah, I have that Star Trek three guy uh, pop up. <laughs> they they should have done that. Uh, but we also had a, another story on the Cerritos with uh, the other lower deckers uh, get, getting hazed from Lieutenant Dirk and having some misadventures there with some fun uh, fun things from the anomaly room, like the the Wadi Chula game and what have you. So. Aaron, I can't remember whose turn it is to give like the first uh, opening statement. I think it's yours. Let's just. No, I did that last yours. week. Oh, okay, but the, but the, yeah, you did the very first one of the first episode, but then I did the first opening statement of the okay, second so, episode. All right. So now we're back on you. Okay, I really like this episode. It's one of those. It, it to me, it feels like it's one that you would put on in the background when you want to watch some, some Star Trek. That doesn't, you know, it's not Measure of a Man. It's not uh, uh, in the pale moonlight. It's something that you can actually just sort of like chill out to uh in fact uh chris from um trek culture he always talks about how if it's a if it's if he falls asleep watching it it's a good episode which i always thought was funny but it kind of does have that sort of like oh this is cool i like it it's hard to talk about things that you just sort of it's nice so it's finding stuff to talk about was interesting today but uh no i i i think it's like it's perfect star trek it's mid-tier i think there's it the anomaly room eh, that one's where it's, it feels like this season that maybe they're running out of clever star trek jokes and so they're doing mm. some things that are more you know like the the room between the two holodecks and uh you know the anomaly room which happens to have a bunch of stuff in it that shouldn't really all be there together and stuff we've seen before it's, yeah exactly so but it, you know it's fine it's but uh I, that was the only thing that kind of struck me is like eh, that you know, I'm not saying that they didn't try, but it just feels like it's like maybe they've run out of ways to, no, I, to bring I get what you're feeling. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm on the same page. For for me, I thought this was an extremely solid Lower Decks episode. You know, the, these people are pros. They know how to make the show they want to make. They've been doing it pretty consistently for the entire life of the show. Um, so it's an episode that I think is uh, really, really good. And the... Uh, the unfortunate thing with that is I don't have a ton to say either. I I don't think the episode is quite good enough that I would call it great. This isn't like, you know, one of the all-time greats. It's not going to be on anyone's, you know, top 10 best Lower Decks episodes of, of all time, I don't think. But yeah, there there's not a ton to complain about either. Uh, there's not a lot I would have honestly, like, done differently. Um, it just doesn't have anything, you know, in it that's, like, particularly, like, special enough or memorable enough for me to call it, like, a true great episode. But I, I did like, laugh even a lot. Boimler's story is sort of, like, expected. Expected is a good word. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, expected. expected. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what I was saying. As soon as there was first yeah. talk about, you know, them getting promotions, I was like, oh, my God, what's Boimler like when he has to give orders to people? I, I want to see that. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, expected sounds better than predictable. I, I like I think that's a good way of describing it. And sometimes that's what you're looking for. That's that's why I was saying it's like sort of one of those comfort episodes, it feels like. One thing I try to make note of talking about new episodes of Star Trek, whenever I'm watching a new episode, anytime I have some type of big reaction, you know, if I laugh, if I gasp, if I cry, anything like that, I try to, uh, a lot of times I'll actually like write it down. 
Um, and there was a lot of stuff in this episode that made me laugh out loud, but there is, there's none of the jokes in here that I thought are just like, oh, that was like one of the funniest gags ever of all of, of Lower Decks. So, uh, which you is have okay. a couple gags that I are like, oh, I would have written this kind of thing which in there. So when we get to them, I'll tell you, but it's, it's like, yeah, there's a couple that's like, oh, that's super funny for me. Yeah. But there's not like, there's not like a, like sometimes there's something that's like, so it's not hilarious. Like, crisis point. That, like Zahn. Like, that like ep- sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> It might be like years later and I'll think of like something like super funny from like a movie or something. And like I almost like start laughing out loud like then just thinking of it like there, there's like nothing like that in here, which is yeah. which is fine. I don't need everything to be sometimes <laughs> right. it is good just to have like, you know, a very solid episode. And and I kind of appreciate like that consistency when like the whole episode is kind of, there's not a part that like made me like roll my eyes or kind of, you know, I, I love Picard season three. But like whenever I rewatch that whenever I, I get to Worf saying like section 31 is a critical part of Starfleet intelligence I'm just like my heart's always going to sink a little bit like you know yeah. so uh, sometimes it is nice when you just be oh it's like gonna consistently be a good Star Trek episode and not like annoy me or frustrate me which is you know a fun watching experience yeah. just doesn't make for great conversation I try to talk about it with Aaron I, here I feel like between like the short treks and some of the just like it it's nice to have something that is like okay how do I tactfully say this or how do I how do I express what I'm feeling about that it's like oh okay it's good yay but then moving on <laughs> so that is but there there's the the location is cool the stuff that they that end up cool. doing are you know yeah there's a lot of stuff that I I'll compliment as we go through yeah couple of things I might nitpick a little bit but not Nothing, nothing a Star Trek pan- fan nitpicking something? How, <laughs> yeah. how unexpected. I, I, I will give the episode a big compliment right now, though, just before we get started and say that Talyn continues to be a delight. Her conversations with Boimler were my favorite part of this episode, hands if down. If we had that, that would be a latinum up. <laughs> from, <laughs> yeah, if, if we culture. did that. Yeah. If, we, if we can steal that for Trek culture just this one time. Yeah, uh, I love Talyn. But the runner-up to to Lynn would probably I like that it was a nice computer that just wanted to be a good host and that that was fun and the and like you were saying the the Ringworld location was yeah. was fun to see the Ringworld was very pretty and uh, actually was talking with Christopher L Bennett who's written Star Trek books and he was just like oh that must be a given the scale of how they drew it it's like that must be a very small sun they must you know it has to be artificial and they said well they did say it was a bespoke solar system so probably is so maybe it's an artificial sun at the center of that. Yeah, I, I assumed that it was like a kind of like a, a little micro star or something yeah. that was like artificially created by the uh, who because it wasn't the people who live here now they're they're kind of like squatters they're not the right. original builders, um but I like that that it kind of has like the uh, Corazonia I believe yes. is how you say it but the the name of the name of the world I kind of like that it has its own history and stuff it felt very it felt like something new we hadn't seen in Star Trek before which it, yeah. it is something new but it felt very much like at home in the Star Trek universe like the the look of the people the fact that it's a society ran by a computer uh we have seen big mega structures like that with the Dyson right. sphere uh, the kind of the utopian setting where oh yeah. we're just like artists and poets and stuff. Yeah, the what is it the the genetically engineered people from that one planet that they threw in with the fake Irish people um, up the long ladder. <laughs> oh, up the long ladder. Yeah, or kind of similar like the society. I know on on the first reaction show last night, which people should subscribe to the Text Trek YouTube yes. channel and watch the first reaction streams with Rachel and the gang. But they were talking about the episode from season one of TNG, uh, when the bow breaks and like those people, how they were like so advanced and, yeah. and kind almost kind of like, it's all, it, it kind of comes off as kind of snobbish to us, you know, 21st yeah. century. Uh, well, even these you know, characters do come off a little snobbish you know, about their artwork and stuff. So yeah, I, a bit, a bit pretentious. Still. Yeah. Uh, really quickly related to the ring world. I did talk with Brandon Williams because I did a little piece of fan art and put it out there and he 
commented on it. And I, I said, yes, I know the sun is not in the center of this. It's because, you know, I made it have a sunset. So it had to be kind of off to the side. And he said that, uh, let's say, uh, Vexelon can make anything happen. So that sunset could have been an artist's request. So I was like, oh, oh that's true. He's like, you know, you could even justify it by an artificial light and not rate sun radiating heat. So it's basically the, the heat of the place might come from the, the ring itself. And then the light is just for, you know, emotional <laughs> reasons of having light. Yeah, it was it was built by a, an unknown ancient alien race. Yeah. It can do it can do anything. He says, I think that sits well with Vexelon's powers. So that's that's my headcanon now. Cool. Yeah. Straight from the director of the episode. Yeah. Uh, when when we first saw the Corazonians in the trailers, uh, Aaron and I were trying to figure out, like, that looks like such <laughs> a familiar Star Trek species. Yeah. You know, like those, those little forehead dots. But I didn't notice the uh, the large eyebrows back then. It, and neither I, did I. Maybe they were, like, at a distance or... I don't know. Yeah, I think they they just like weren't on weren't on screen very very long in the in the trailer. Yeah. When they they first arrive and and they're showing them their their sculptures. There's that, that really so funny stressed gag. that they can't do good art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then when Ransom's like, "Oh yeah, this art is terrible," and they're like, "No, those are our good sculptures. These are the bad ones over here," which are just a mirror image of the other ones, which is hilarious. Right? Yeah, that's that was the that was the joke kind of the. Yeah, it's like yeah, the, pretty the clumsy expression of form. And then it's like, no, no, those are our best works. And they, it's like, and they walk away, and Jack's still staring at it. Like it's like just an amateur lack of focus and balance. Yeah, you know? no, that's <laughs> I love that like Jack he... is an art person. So it's like there. Uh, this is all the stuff that I was like, hey, I want Jack to grow. So I was like, we're getting little bits and pieces of it. So yeah, he's got a, he's got his artsy side. I mean, well, yeah. we know he likes to uh, you know play the guitar and sing about Barcelona, and so he's 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 definitely got like that uh, that creative yeah. side to his personality. Maybe he had like a you know uh, in college that that walkabout, where basically when we're around the world or the solar system or whatever for a year or two and he totally did that but i think he didn't make it past barcelona i think he, that was probably like the first place he went to and he just like <laughs> and just got i was gonna chill and vibe here for a year i can see that <laughs> that's great but what did you think of i guess just vexelon himself as a character and as a concept i it's fun to play off of the it's not an evil computer it's like yeah. for once you know just he's he just seems like a slightly neurotic host which is kind of fun and it's like i don't know he's he just wants to make people happy, which it he's feels a people like. pleaser. People, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he, he kind of beats himself up a little bit when he you know, he uh, gives uh, iced tea and it comes out and it's hot. It's like stupid, stupid Vexelon or whatever. He's, <laughs> he's likable, like, but he's he's still funny. Yeah. And I love the interface that just the look of the, the screen with sort of those glyphs and stuff. It's just it all feels like, OK, this sort of fits. But at the same time, oh, it's a computer just like ours. And it has floppy yeah. disks even, you know, it so is something new. Like there's yeah. now there's like a whole, you know, memory alpha page about these, you know, computer interfaces that look like something from Legends of the Hidden Temple on Nickelodeon <laughs> in the 90s. But uh, it was yeah, it was fun to see that. And it was fun to see Freeman, I guess, kind of being like enthusiastic about a mission and and rolling Notice up her, her sleeves. sleeves like her. Yeah. That's the second time this season where they've drawn like a parallel between the two of them. So I wonder, yeah. is that a recurring theme of season four? These similarities between Freeman and Mariner? Well, we even have a parallel of the. The story of Freeman and Boimler, which we can talk about. Did we say that uh, that next week is when we're uh, we we want to have Jesse Gender on the show? I don't think we've actually said that four. yet. Yeah, so I see Jesse's in our live audience. Hey, so Jesse, oh. just uh, just a reminder. We hope that uh, <laughs> that you're uh, able to come back and join us next week to talk about season four, episode four, which I know you're you're excited to chat Do about. Do people know what the content is about? Is it the, the no, trailer? I don't think say we can, that? I don't think okay. we can say what it's about yet. Okay. But, uh, Aaron and I haven't haven't watched it yet, but no. we're uh, we're looking forward to checking it out soon. 
But uh, but yeah, so, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I I know I know uh, some of y'all are gonna be excited about some of the stuff that I've heard is in it. So y'all definitely need to come back and and check us check us out when we're breaking it down with Jesse in one week. That will be fun. Uh, so we also had Boimler's mission, and uh, what what did Talen call it? His his errand boosting. Oh, uh, ritual. ritual. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the jokes I was talking about. It's when he does the comms test. It's like out ah, ah, like the the feedback thing. Oh yeah. I don't know why, but that's just like. Audio jokes just make me laugh. They did an audio <laughs> joke like that in uh, season three, episode three, uh, "Mining the Mind's Mine," when they're uh, working with the the other crew and they're tapping their com badges at the same time, and it caused a problem. Oh, right. That's just a, a weird thing to notice on the third episode and two seasons in a row. But it was it was fun having that uh, chemistry between Talyn and Boimler. I kind of like how yeah. Uh, he's, you know, so like neurotic and so, just like a big ball of stress. And she's, you know, obviously going to be cool as cucumber soup. I normally don't ship people. And especially because it's like, just because the, a guy and a girl work together, doesn't mean that they are attracted to each other. And that's very heteronormative anyway and all that. But I feel like they, they bounce off of each other. Well, there's like a good balance. It's like, I could see them dating. I've heard other people theorize about that. And it was actually, I think... Something that you and and Jesse, speaking of Jesse, talked about on Drawn to Trek years ago about like a potential, or maybe maybe you told me about when it we first later, saw it. <laughs> maybe when, yeah, when Talyn first came on back with like Wage Douge when they're like she's gonna go to Star. No, no, okay, I remember now. When season <laughs> two ended with uh, the Jennifer Mariner thing, yes, where they set up that relationship, that's what started the uh, speculation. Of, well, what if they do that, and then you have Boimler and Talyn get together, and then they could like double date or something? It's almost like if that happens, it's sort of everybody's paired off at some point, kind of because we oh. Tendi, Tendi, and uh, and Rutherford. I almost, I almost called it yeah. Rutherford or something. I could combine them. I too fix them. Tendi Ford. Yeah, Tendi. <laughs> Even if they're not a couple, they're a couple in some ways. You know, yeah. I want them to be a couple. I want them. Yeah. I want them to to fall in love and and be boyfriend and girlfriend. That uh, Boimler and Talyn have to be together, or anything. Yeah, but she's kind of what he needed in this episode. Like, yeah, he, he was an he anchor. That, that, yeah, and kind of like that objective observer and advisor. Uh, I did laugh at the joke when he's like, "Oh, and this is Lieutenant Talyn. She's just here in case any science stuff happens." And then <laughs> her her response to that, it was like, "Everything that has ever happened is science stuff." <laughs> And what about like a uh, Boimler's team? There we have. They're all characters we've seen on the ship before, but I don't think we ever had like a, a name for Big Merp. It was on the board, I think, in the um, oh, the, in, the um, board IX challenge. The IX Reedus, yeah, on the yeah, uh, they're doing the hologram training thing <laughs> with Sherry Bing Bang. Okay. <laughs> like, when yeah, the, the, the all the different names. Yeah, the Pandronian, which I got to write a little bit more about in the Star Trek Adventures. So that was fun to try and like kind of glue together the very few sources that there were to like figure out what their society is kind of like. Yeah, it'd be cool if we got like a like a print version of that. Hopefully, one day. Hopefully someday. Apparently it's the largest uh, longest uh, supplement that they've ever done. I did not hear didn't know, know that until I saw a video. So I like that the the Kazenti ensign, uh, ensign Taylor. Yes. He got to be part of the mission just just On being the a ring Kazenti world. from the from the <laughs> Ringworld books. Yeah, yeah, it would have it would have been odd not to use yes. him. I think I said that actually to Mike McMahon when I saw the trailer and it was just sort of like the, uh, I wouldn't count on it kind of a thing. Like, yeah, that's misdirection. <laughs> <laughs> All 
or how do you know it's a ring world? I think that's what he said. Like, it kind of looks like a ring world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's in the shape of, it's a world, and it's in the shape of a Unless ring. Unless it's like a like, wedge. I mean, it could be like half of a ring world, I guess. Oh, or like a crescent world. Like, yeah. Um, I've never seen the movie uh, Treasure Planet. Treasure but... Planet, yeah. No, that's exactly. That's, Is that what that it looks works. like? Okay. Yeah. Because Sean was talking about that in the in the Trek Culture video this week, so that we've apparently both watched. They set up Boimler's dilemma, though, when Talen points out to him, which this episode would have been like a lot smoother if Talen never pointed this out. But when she brings up the statistic about how, yeah, ensigns serving under recently promoted commanding <laughs> officers are statistically more likely to die or be dismembered. And it goes downhill from there. He's like, die. He's like, yeah, end or dismemberment. <laughs> Well, she since she does not have the same emotional reaction, I probably she probably didn't think that that would be how someone would react. That's what makes Talyn so funny to me is like you got to keep it, and this will probably change. She'll probably at some point, you know, start to like the Cerritos, and and she'll have an arc where she's like, "Oh, I'm happy here. I like being around these people. They're my friends." But we haven't gotten there yet, and like right now, it's like she really does not care at all about any of this like you even see that later when when boimler dies and she's just like oh i guess the statistics are right you know it's just like well like that was that was her reaction or even when he's like you know there might be greatness in any one of them it's like that remains to be seen (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah just like the 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 cold vulcan logic but uh it's it's funny seeing boimler trying to take it's just a funny visual gag him trying to remove those canisters on his 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 teeth and like just and later when he's holding it, when um, Freeman uh, messages him, he uses his chin to turn on his com badge, which I thought yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know how the hell they would have done it in live action, but yeah. in animation, it looks it looks funny as hell. Yeah, yeah I don't think real people bend that way. <laughs> I felt sorry for him, though, because I understand his, his problem here, where he's like, uh, I'm so nervous about y'all doing it wrong. It's just easier for me to do it myself. But he's... He's We've putting way too much that, work on I his think. plate. Yeah, I, I, I hear a lot of people watch this episode and be like, that was super relatable. So That was me in school, too, when there were school projects where it was supposed to be a group project. And I, you know, one time had a, a teacher said, like, you have to let them do something because if they fail, they fail. If the grade isn't good, it isn't good. And of course, my 4.0, you know, insanely, like, anal average <laughs> like like no we cannot get a bad grade that is not acceptable he's <laughs> like you know you can get a bad grade once in a while like Ugh. but i just didn't understand at the time like it was oh it's about teaching doing a teamwork project and and everybody you know doing their part as opposed to just getting it done and correct I've heard a lot of people talk about like, uh, you know, workplace experiences or like, I guess like the first time you were ever given any type of like manager responsibilities or anything. And that could be uh, intimidating, I guess. That's why I do not that want to be an art time. director. Right. I, 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 the design stuff. <laughs> I never want to manage people in like a, like an office job type setting. Is what I had I've, to, is what to let learned. somebody go once because my creative director was afraid to do it, essentially. So that was fun. Oh, that is. Like, yeah, that's, I'm not even a boss at that, that point, and like, I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's rough. Like, yeah. Hey, just don't don't come in tomorrow. Enjoy your time. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um. I've I've luckily I've never had to fire anyone, but uh. But yeah, I don't um. I don't think I would I would like that. I love how Talyn also stands with her hands behind. Like that's that's very Starfleet. You know, that's sort of like. Uh, at rest. Yeah, it's like at, the at ease posture. Yeah, which yeah. I guess like it's like it's supposed to be like standard military practices. Like that was our default to in, in our, our uh, hey, it won't be a show if I don't mention our improv show uh, <laughs> uh, in our improv thing. When we were just standing at default, there was a lot of times that I just did that. Uh, also in a blue shirt. Yes. Because you were a were you a science officer or a medical officer? I was a your, science your officer. Your character. 
the character, yeah, I was not. <laughs> my character was a science officer, and I stupidly put myself in that position so I could, like, you know, randomly come up with techno battle. That was fun. You know why you did that, Aaron? Because you were being Boimler, and you didn't want someone else to do it and do it wrong. <laughs> so you're like, I need to be the science officer and give myself all the hard techno babble. Wow, you actually might with. not be wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that that's, hits a little too close to home. <laughs> Let's uh, change the subject then and get into the uh, when when things with the update go wrong, when uh, the computer progress bar freezes <laughs> and then we get the the weird day and night stuff. We get the, the frozen the clouds. clouds. Yeah, that's Did you see the there's a Bob Ross painter? There, there was a dude who among the, the artists who looked like Bob Ross. Yes, he's got the poofy hair. And also after the, after the cloud falls uh, as ice. Uh, one of them, uh, this this lady uh, back behind Bob Ross, uh, she like stares at the clouds and then all of a sudden she has kind of like a spark of inspiration and starts painting again. Like she's going to paint the, uh, the, the the blocks of ice that, that were formerly a cloud. That's funny. I noticed uh, also in Vexalon, the, uh, the bench or something that's kind of underneath his main screen. It looks very familiar. Like it's that's like you can buy that at a high end furniture store. That sort of like curved, it's almost like a coffee table. Oh, if this was live action Star Trek, I'd be like, is that what they did? Is this, is this something that they just like yeah. bought because they thought it looked futuristic? I've seen the, in Strange New Worlds, we saw from the Mirror Universe and I can't Lorca. remember his name. Lorca. Uh, Lorca's desk was converted into something for the desk of the lawyer. Or no, it was the the, the um, receptionist in the front before you get into her office. I yeah. Like, I've seen that desk before. Yeah. In Strange New Worlds 202. Yeah. At Astra Aspera, yes. yeah. So yeah, it, it's kind of cool that Lower Decks does actually kind of reuse props and draws them because we got the Billups tubes and stuff, which is that one prop that you could rent for dozens of years and they put it into TNG and DS9 and everything. So I kind of like that they do that, even though they don't have to. I like how when when the ring world stuff was kind of like malfunctioning, uh, they, they kind of took advantage of their, you know, the liberties you get with animation. They could do like really cool environmental stuff that would have been expensive, Volcanoes. <laughs> expensive effects. I, I did kind of laugh when the, uh, the big ugly X came up on the screen. Yeah. Cause you know, anyone who uses <laughs> Twitter, you've seen a, a, a very similar looking image, uh, probably, oh, uh, associated with some frustration. So, wow. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional because, uh, you know, the this was made before that, I think. Right. Yeah. The, the lo- the, it's I like the reverse of the logo, though. But yeah, it looks extremely similar to, to the new Twitter logo that used to be. A and it has bird. like little I think so. It's not just an X. There's also little uh, symbols in the the corners or the uh, the pieces of them. Yeah, there. I there's uh, some. It kind of looks like alien language DOS at one point. When, yeah, like, they they go into like the command line interface. Yeah, when... blue blue screen, but then it comes up with a black command, um, you know, window. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm, that's obviously done on purpose, but it's just it's still f- funny. I don't know how they updated a a user. I mean, a a a UI that has not been that was he hasn't had an update in six million years. Like, where are they getting the update from? If his, I guess they had to own... develop it themselves. They had to, uh, you know, the Starfleet computer engineers had to uh, go over his software and then write their oh, own mean... update. Oh, so over time, that that you know, yeah, because they had, um, they didn't they didn't update his software when they made first contact with this planet, but 
that they installed those power relays that Boimler's mission is is to um, retrofit them. Yes. Which we th- we thought it was interesting that like uh, as we'll point out in the Gorneggs that those those look like those resemble 22nd century technology, which is like, wow they're really old. That too from Phil Murphy. So we've got another in- insider who who mentioned it. Oh, cool! I'm I'm looking forward to to hearing about that in a moment. I, I, I chuckled at the uh, the ancient junk drawer is where Freeman <laughs> found the instructions, but I'm glad that you know she found this ancient scroll. It's so it, it works so well. Like we have this ancient temple, but it's like computer technology, but it's like ancient things, but it's also like real life things because it's like floppy disks and yeah. it looks like DOS. And there's the instructions are in the junk drawer and, and you know real life type stuff. Yeah, like you can't find the instructions. Where do they go? Somebody just tossed it in the drawer. I was hoping that these paintings were going to be something that like familiar, but like I looked at his the guy in the bottom right if you're looking on screen there's two people in a field and the the field's exploding with like lava um but they're painting and they're just painting stuff uh, it gets pretty apocalyptic out there as boimler describes it uh when he's it, you, you gotta feel sorry for him he's, he's doing this impossible task of trying to remove all of those cylinders by himself and then when he's on the last one that's that's when freeman is like okay undo everything you just did <laughs> well and this is also the point where she's she does call in for help. So, so we we have the parallel between the two stories of Boimler not wanting to mm-hmm. let anybody else do it. And she's kind of doing the same thing just in the, you know, the main storyline. And it's not quite as extreme, it seems like. But yeah, but but she she realizes she's in over her head, you know, like, yeah, like sooner yeah. than Boimler does, like and calls Billups. You know, <laughs> she calls in Billups. She's like, and even here, like she's relying on Boimler. Like, I, I'm going to trust yeah. you to do your job and make sure that yes. ensigns get the. Get That's the true. power relay restored. So, um, but you know, I kind of like that because all the you know great captains that we've seen at one point was where Boimler was. Right, right, yeah. She's she's learned the lesson that like Boimler is having to learn through this episode. So it kind of shows like her you know ma- maturity and kind of like oh yeah she's she's a better better being commanding officer, but you know that's probably through experience. Right. Uh, Joel had the like the joke that Billups made Unitronic. <laughs> yeah, the, he's uh, like, enough of your computer humor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sorry, because, Joel. This is this is no time for your computer comedy. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Because duotronic is like the standard in the twenty second century, and I don't know what twenty fourth. It's what is it called? Something tronic? I can't remember. I don't think so. Well, they uh, they uh, go to the isolinear system. Oh, after, that's right. Yeah. After the duotronic, so so um, I just think yeah the. The one tronic instead of the two. Yeah, the unitronic. <laughs> yeah. Really, uh, really kills it with the uh, the engineers, though. <laughs> Probably everybody who was in that ship where they were getting the uh, spa treatment would be laughing. <laughs> I, I did laugh at the uh, Talen's joke about like a mountain or a volcano has appeared, and you get like the bigger Rob Trenches is like, oh, it's a volcano. Just <laughs> again the the cold Vulcan logic observation of everything, and how she really does not care. No, <laughs> at this point. And I laughed at it because it's also like it's 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 animated uh, lava, which is sort of what Gene kept pushing in TAS. <laughs> this would have been his favorite episode of the show, <laughs> maybe. Oh, he probably liked the one with the the um, holodecks and the everybody running around naked. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that like uh, he would probably like the uh, the naked different time scene. Yeah. But I, I, the animation does like really. It, it, it's hard to uh, keep pointing it out, you know, covering lower decks for four seasons straight because I have to say it so often. But the the animation is like really good. Like the yeah. uh, environment looked cool, and then when it starts blowing up, it looked even cooler. Yeah, they did a good job with um, making it feel dangerous without being 
kind of, I mean, it is over the top, but it's, I don't know. It, it worked really well. And it, you know, it created the situation for Talen to have to coach up Boimler and, uh, you yep. know, be like, okay, you really are, are going to have to just face reality. Like, there is no way you're going to do all of this by yourself. You're going to have to trust them. Just like people have trusted you to mm-hmm. do your job, you're going to have to trust them to do their jobs. And Boimler becomes a good leader and a good, uh, a good commanding officer and all of that. And uh, they they succeed in time for him to heroically uh, <laughs> stay behind to press the, the restart button to fix everything and blow up himself. Tulin kind of strikes me as somebody who she feels like she's like, I'm just here and I'm, I actually could run all of this, but I'm just like kind of keeping that to myself. He's, she's got a little bit of like, I know what you're supposed to do. But I'll let you do it. Yeah, she does not care about, like, any of the Starfleet stuff. She just wants to yeah. be back doing Vulcan science stuff on her Vulcan yeah. science ship. <laughs> I don't know if she even cares if this mission gets completed or not. She's just like, I'll just comply and follow these orders, I yeah. guess. But yeah, that and the the death was kind of um, shocking for a minute until you realize, like, they're not going to kill Boy more off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could have. They could I've always thought, like, okay, the ship could kill him, come and back. then... Well, they they could use his transporter. Yeah, duplicate. that's what I meant. Sorry, but uh, yeah, no the uh, the uh, the great koala instead uh, turns them turns them away for the second time because I guess in, when he died in Cetacean yeah. Ops in season two, I forgot he, about that. Even though Jack says this is koala. your first death, so it's like I, I on that little video that we did for YouTube, I, I called it the first death, but it might not be. Yeah, I guess he wasn't like officially declared dead because there is no doctor because he gets revived with CPR. So that's true. Maybe he wasn't quite in the room with the dark because he didn't know what the dark mountain was. Or, so right, but uh, he well he dies twice in this episode because then after he comes oh, yeah. back, Tiana has to do whatever she just injected him with again. So, uh, but they they do a good job. I, we'll we'll talk about the the other story on the Cerritos uh, here in a second. But yep. they do a good job. I, I like building up like this big climax, and I think how it cuts back and forth with the stuff on the ship, and then. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the pacing was done really well. I thought it's yeah, like well at, at no time was I'm like, okay, let's get to the next story. It didn't didn't have that feeling. That's that's uh that's good uh direction from a first time director yes. Brandon Williams. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else on the uh, the Freeman and, and Boimler stories with uh, with Vexilon before we go back to the uh, Cerritos? I would just say that this this part of it with Boimler had a very expected ending except you know obviously i wasn't expecting the death but as soon as it happened i'm like oh i know what's going to happen so it was very predictable in that case so if they could have maybe done something that you know gave it a left turn or something like that that could have been interesting but i still liked it yeah i agree with you on that i i really just enjoyed the talen stuff but i'm i'm a i've become a huge talen fan so i think i just more than anything just like the uh the screen time and just like them like oh they're utilizing this character like i really hoped they would yes and then the the computer vexalon was was funny and yeah like all of his stuff about like oh my original designers evolved into a fifth dimensional being so i guess chaotica <laughs> was right there, yeah, exactly. there are five <laughs> dimensions after all um it is like oh your last update was six million seven years ago and he's like oh that was that was a good year or, you know what is what did he said like something like we got like a lot of rain that year or something oh, like was that, the you know? good crops or uh, yeah a harvest uh, something yeah, good like harvest that, yeah. good harvest six million seven this is funny like yeah. this guy remembers that like i Hell, that was six million. Like the way you remember your your ago. high school, you yeah. know, summer or something like that. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Vexilon again. He's he's cool. I like him. But back on the ship, let's talk about a B story stuff. We got our lower deckers, Rutherford, Mariner, and Tendi. Uh, now they have access. Now that they're lieutenant junior grades, they now have access to the anomaly room aboard the Cerritos, or the the Gorneg room. 
Yes. Uh, but well, it's, it's this is where stuff like, we've seen before. Yeah, this is like earlier when we were talking about this. Like, there's something about oh, like, even the visor from the uh, 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 in no truth. Is there no tr- truth beauty? That's is there no truth in beauty? Yeah, beauty. Whatever. That that sentence. I don't know where, but that sentence yes. needs a comma in it Something. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure where, but somewhere. Uh, yeah, we just saw that uh, visor like two episodes ago. Yeah. Or a week ago. Yeah. So that that was interesting, but yeah, I mean, some of it made sense, some of it doesn't. Obviously, it's not really nomad, but we did see that earlier, like in the first season, in the in the first episode, in the first yeah. scene. It's in the closet when Boomer's recording his captain's log. So they must have found this somewhere. It's just a, a, a nomad series probe or something like that, and it just didn't become sentient. <laughs> the only thing that we'd never seen before was the the church hat. In the that, spider, but they're they were oh, the new spider, things. Yeah. They're not the spider like that. That was a uh, has to been a nod to uh, the thing. It's like your head falls off and skitters across the floor, which looks very much like that in yeah. uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. But we've seen them have to d- deal with like weird uh, anomaly type stuff before, like when Tindy turned into a scorpion. Yes, uh, I felt like they got like a little bit more creative there. Although a hat that turns you into a church tower is okay. That is pretty weird and unique. I'll give you that. I've never heard of that before. Uh, it's not particularly <laughs> clever or anything. Just like the just hearing the Spadazoid gift box say things <laughs> like "Eat a bag of Borg dicks, mother." I'll, I'll I'll bleep that for even though I didn't I didn't say the word I said effer I'll if you bleep I think it's it funnier then it's funnier yeah it's funnier with the bleeps like those are what yeah. they do it on lower decks so well just the yeah there, it's annoying it's like when you saw the the gift box in TNG it also felt annoying so it's it feels very appropriate yeah it's just like I like that they're they're in on the joke with it and and the thing yeah. is like uh, oh Rutherford I'd really like to live in your room and he's just like, no, like thank you no thanks <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was great. Yeah, that cracked he's me like, up. Skibbity bobbity boo doo. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just the the, the actor playing him just like yeah. say the stuff and make it sound funny, and, and he did. So yep. <laughs> good on him. And then we have the Chula game. I didn't know this character's name before. I don't know if it was like on screen, but if I ever knew it, I forgot it. But Lieutenant Dirk, he's he's been around since the first episode. He when yeah. Tindy arrives on the ship and she's all excited on her first ship, and he's like, "Move it along, keep, lower decks. Keep it moving, lower decks." Yeah. And he, whenever he, he does show up, he, he is voiced by Phil Lamar, who he, one of my favorite voice actors of all time and uh, voices Admiral Freeman. So um, but who was in that first episode. So, you know, they typically get guest stars to do, you know, multiple characters when they get like a guest star in one episode. So yeah. I like that they got him as Dirk because now whenever we see Lieutenant Dirk, Phil Lamar gets gets some work. So that's cool. I'm pretty sure we heard Talyn's voice as one of the uh, the, the woman who did the um, the statues on the plant on the uh the ring world oh yeah probably i think that was her the uh the character design on lieutenant dirk just he just seems like a guy who would have been in berman era star trek he kind of has like that 80s 90s the hair. balding and yeah. kind of like almost mullet long hair in the back and yeah yeah very much uh but yeah like he just looks like a dude who would have been like around like 40 years old in 1991 who would have like <laughs> shown up in a berman era trek show you know yeah He'd been one of those. Oh, it's the admiral from um, the bug butt bug episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, conspiracy, conspiracy. Like I'm saying, insurrection. That insurrection. I'm like, that's not right. Uh, he has that kind of a look too. The main yeah. guy who. Yeah. He so he's the, he's just very Berman the, era. You're right. The most gnarly death scene in all of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but he gives them the mission, which we don't know that it's hazing at first. We kind of have to figure it out like the characters do. Uh, but the the mission of trying to find the bad Isolinear chip in the <laughs> Isolinear chip room. Uh, Aaron, we watched this episode together and you made the joke that uh, Boimler having to uh, extract those cylinders with like the, the weird pattern of events. How it felt very much like the video game Star Trek Resurgence. Yeah. <laughs> There's also an Isolinear chip room in that game. Is it? <laughs> Which, you have to do the same thing. You have to go through and like find the one that isn't working. No, you actually like go in there to like stop someone from sabotaging the ship. Ah. But it's just funny because I think that game in this episode would have been in development at the same time, independent from each other. And mm. the, the creatives behind both actually did it like the same idea. But it makes sense that uh, yeah. yeah, multiple ships would have this chip room. So that's cool that it worked yeah. out like that. Also, unless Dirk is lying, it's like the idea of like one chip failing and everything goes wrong is very much not Starfleet. As we know from yeah. O'Brien, there's like redundant backups, basically. Yeah, like uh, O'Brien told uh, Tracy, my, my, one of my childhood crushes, uh, Tracy, Tracy Scoggins, when, when e- even in, in Cardassia, uh, Cardassian form is uh, stunningly beautiful. Maybe even O'Brien, more so. <laughs> O'Brien told her, he's like, yeah, like I, I want my backup for my backup. <laughs> And not to go off on a tangent, and I'll come back. It's like, did you see her on Lois and Clark when she was Cat Grant? I did. That was funny. I just loved her. She was just, it, it, yeah, it was, it was perfect the way they they uh, played or she played it. And also in Babylon Five, yes, you can, you can plug that sci-fi show as well. Uh, I like, but Babylon Dirk is a—he's kind of a comedic mastermind. He's like, if you think about this, this is like really funny. He's like, I'm gonna make them scan the entire room. I'm gonna go back in there and be like, oh, you're actually only halfway done. <laughs> I thought the hidden button was obvious. Like they, yeah. they buy into it. They, like him and Ransom got to be like, like man, it's any time. Yeah, just like she makes fun of it. In any time he has this interaction with them, he probably like you know runs down the corridor and is telling Ransom about it, and the two of them are laughing this whole time. Just like yeah, I can't believe they believe that. Like they, they, what did they, what did they say when you told them about the hidden button? You know, like it's actually like really funny. It, it also feels like oh, it's not very Starfleet. I don't know. Like watching a lot of Star Trek, it seems like that's what they would have done in the Academy or something like that. So I, I totally yeah, think Finnegan hazed part of it. <laughs> Finnegan hazed Kirk. Uh, yeah. We we see we see some I guess like friendly hazing on Strange New Worlds with Ortegas. Well, they even haze Boimler. Yeah. Like that was that was one of the things I pointed out when uh, when we watched this. I I said, uh, well, Boimler should have known about Starfleet hazing because he got hazed by Chad. He wasn't Ortega's there. That's what you. I thought was right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. I think it was Rachel was the one of us who pointed that out to me. Like, uh, but yeah, so it does line up super well. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we have the ferret Lancelot running around. So nice name for who. Uh owns it i don't know if you thought about this but billup seemed like truly sad when he beamed down and is telling freeman that uh oh like my ferret got out so he he really like doesn't know where his ferret is so ransom and dirk stole billups's ferret to prank let it out to prank these lieutenant junior grades yeah they seem to like the the ferret seems to like dirk because he kind of did what he said and <laughs> so i think i think dirk is like i'm gonna i'm gonna screw with billups also i'm gonna go get lancelot his little pet ferret that likes me and i'm gonna just go play with lancelot and 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 use him as i'm hazing these these recently promoted lieutenants given uh billups culture i like lancelot is a good name because the whole 
you know, fantasy the, realm the, sort the of medieval feel to theme. it. The, yeah, the medieval. Ren Fair. The, it's basically planet Ren, Ren, Ren Fair. Yeah. If we do start colonizing planets in the future, there's to- a group of Ren Fair people are going to get together. They're going to be like, we're going to go make Renaissance planet. So that's somebody will. Yeah. Extremely realistic. There'll also <laughs> but, be a Star Trek planet, probably. So <laughs> that's the one we'll live on. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, to move there. You'll have to uh, check all the isolinear chips by hand <laughs> and and throw on little oxygen masks because there's a nitrogen coolant in the room. And just, that was uh, funny. They're, they're going to be pretty hot. And you got to use tongs, which makes it take twice as long and therefore be twice as hard. Like, don't you know? Uh, what is it? Uh, isn't it always the last chip that you check? Yes, of course it would be. And you <laughs> yeah. stop. Uh, but when they get their idea for their their revenge prank, <laughs> this thing looks like this Rube Goldberg machine is just like, how is this supposed to work? Yeah, they they, they home alone uh, Dirk's quarters so that when when he comes in, he gets zapped into the Wadi game with the annoying gift box. But then after he f- escapes there, then he has to face the uh, spend a whole lifetime uh, on the the inner light planet. For the uh, the listening audience, you can't see this. It's just basically there's a table in the middle, and there's a pole connected to a pulley that has the Wadi game on it. And on the other side is another pole with a pulley that has um, it. It's, it's probably supposed to be, but it doesn't look exactly like the Catan probe. So maybe it's a different different type or something. And then on the table is the uh, Betazoid gift box, which I'm assuming is like to lure him in. Yeah, like, I, why is that thing here? I'm going to go yeah, grab like, it and take it yeah. back where it belongs. Get it the hell out of my room. Everybody has the same painting by uh, Rick Sternbach, too, which is funny. Yeah, and uh, that this is the same as what a, a, a senior grade lieutenant's quarters looked like in season one when Mariner got the right. two-rank promotion and got her own room. And rolled off the bed. Which was like, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a pretty funny animation. I, I remember days that, that I feel like that, too. It's just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, felt super memorable. Yeah. Uh, what did they fool you when uh, the the lower deckers uh, they set up the trap and then they leave and then Dirk is like, oh, thank God you helped us do that important work with the isolinear chips. And by the way, I'm terrified of the the Wadi Chula game. I spent a month there as a kid. Did you buy into that? Because they they tricked no. me. I bought into. Oh, it. Oh, really? I yeah. I didn't buy into it. Maybe for okay. like at the very beginning, but then after that, I'm like, okay, now this is. This is crazy. I, I was mentioning when we talked about season three recently, I was kind of getting frustrated with that, with the show kind of getting that predictability in season three. But then they kind of got better at it where I stopped seeing it coming. Yeah. And and right now they're they're currently they're still a couple steps ahead of me because they, they still they tricked me with this one. But uh, I, I I do learn eventually. So I don't know. Maybe uh maybe I'll, I'll start <laughs> catching on to their tricks again and soon. But uh but yeah, no, the I whole totally jazz thing was hilarious. I was frustrated before the before he started talking about the jazz stuff, when he said like yeah. he spent a month in the Chula game as a kid, because I was like, how did you go to the Gamma Quadrant as a kid? Some, yeah, like, did exactly. you discover the the Bajoran wormhole as a child and just didn't tell anyone? That was another tip off. That it's like, yeah, it's oh, totally because not even possible. And at the end, he he's, he tells Ransom, he's like, I, yeah, I made that shit up. I can't believe yeah. they believed it. On but, any other show, I would be like, oh, they really did. He it was supposed to actually have been that because they don't mm. track continuity that well. But on this show that wouldn't be an accident they would like you you would know that like minutely you said hey but that game did nope of course it didn't it was in the gamma quadrant blah blah blah. you know so they're they're the walking memory alpha honestly <laughs> or mike the tellerite slop jazz uh <laughs> i don't know some people might not want to talk about tellerite slop jazz it does sound very very gross you know the uh it sounds the like people with misophonia farts. yeah <laughs> trying to get as much spit to drip out of the nozzle as you can and the it's not something that uh, uh, 
Riker plays, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, as long as he doesn't OD on Ketrasel White, like uh, Fats, <laughs> Visit Tack, or whatever. That's interesting, too, because they had the the hot sauce, the Ketrasel White hot sauce. Apparently, Ketrasel White, after it was no longer for keeping the, um, the Dominion alive, um, it turned into like some sort of federation like a, a, a substance in the federation either hot sauce or drugs apparently yeah i think the hot sauce is just in the it's just in the name i think it's it might have been that yeah that's true but uh maybe it comes from like bajor where like the bajoran war stuff is made with like a bajoran pepper and uh, mm. because like the the dominion war is like a big thing they yeah. call it like ketrasel white white hot or something i don't know yeah that's true well actually, you know you're right too because if there's a at the farmer's market in here in los angeles there's a uh um store that is just hot sauce and every single one of them has some sort of goofy oh, yeah. thing like that so so you know ronald reagan's nuclear hot pot sauce and you're like why that this is a joke for the 80s why is this in here <laughs> like, there's so a store I could, like that, that makes at sense. the uh, the mall in san antonio i think it's called pepper world but it's just like an all hot sauce store uh, me and my friend Trenton went in there and we're like, we'd like to sample your hottest hot sauce. And, like a bunch of people are like standing around watching us with like their phones to like record videos. And we yeah. we tried it. And we were both like, that's not really that hot. And people were all disappointed. <laughs> They're like, that was really your reaction. Like we thought it would be like melting your face off. But um, maybe they didn't give you the actual hottest one because they didn't want to be uh, responsible. <laughs> I have pretty high spice tolerance. Like I cooked like uh, insanely spicy food that I probably shouldn't. That a lot of people tell me it's like, oh yeah, that's gonna like tear up your stomach if you keep eating like that. But I'm I'm still here so far. Whenever I eat something hot, like it just start water rolls off of my head. It's just <laughs> it's like I just you get the, the sweaty reaction. Yeah, just at the top of my head. Well, you need to try that uh, that Ketrasel white white or what is it? Ketrasel white hot hot sauce. You yeah, have a bottle. Yeah. I'm sure it's still good too. Yeah, that's. Just, I mean, it's basically just like vinegar and crushed up pepper. It'll it'll last yeah. uh, years. Uh, but Ketracel White is probably a common drug in the Alpha Quadrant now because the Sona manufactured it. They're they're quite nefarious people. That's I mean, right. They, um, but they say in Star Trek Insurrection, Riker is like, I can't believe we're doing business with these people. Uh, they 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 manufacture the narcotic Ketracel White. So, I guess I guess like okay. you know, it's more than just like keeps a, a Jim Hadar alive, I guess like you can also like get high on it and, and yeah. possibly overdose if you're a Tellerite, like sad uh, <laughs> fats Bizertac. Yeah. I love the the jazz names. Those are great. Yeah, all that stuff sounded gross and very yeah. hilarious. Uh the, the the montage where it's cutting back and forth of like Tindy with the T eighty eight tricorders scanning. Because they're trying to the, the, the result of him telling the story about being trapped in this that they're like, oh crap, we gotta take all of this out of his room. Yeah. And so uh, we have Rutherford go back to do that, and Tendi is going to basically finish doing all of the scans. And she goes really fast. She does like her, you know, double-handed like uh, like a gun gunslinger kind of thing with the, with her yeah. scanners. I loved that. I loved that animation. I want like yeah. that to be like a character. What do you call it in video games? Uh, emote. I want that to be like a character emote and like Star Trek Online or something. I want to be able to like twirl a, a T eighty oh, eight tricorder. Uh, <laughs> Rutherford. I guess to use another video game terminology, uh, <laughs> Rutherford speed runs. <laughs> yeah. The the one. It's funny because it's like all the if you go watch Move Along Home DS nine, yeah. it's like these are the exact same locations, the exact same order. I just uh, literally so, just pushes the girl out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, I, I, you know, when he realizes, like, there's no escape, he can't win the game, he, like, kills himself. He, like, jumps off this cliff 
Because that was the the irony of the game, the move along home. And the reason why I actually really enjoy that episode is I just I love the joke of how they were just trolling Quark and how there's no consequence to that. If right. someone dies in the and it's just, oh, you foolish TV audience member, you've watched so much tropey television. You thought because if you die in the game, you die in real life as a yeah. rule and like everything else. You thought that was a rule here, even though we never said that. Like turns out the or joke's even, on like, you. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah. So I personally think that's, that's fun cool. and clever, and I enjoy. I, I thought enjoy it was that. an interesting first contact as well. But I mean, I know a lot of people are like, like, "Oh, it's the worst episode ever." I'm like, I th- by far I not think, the worst episode of Star Trek. Yeah, I, I think it really it just is when they're having to sing Alamarine, count to four, Alamarine, then three more. I think people just they that that feels very awkward. And it's like it's it's cringy, and even though it's like intentionally cringy, I think some people are just like they're very allergic to having like that awkward, yeah. cringy feeling, and so because of that, they yeah. they hate that episode. Cake is eternal, and it's like the all Malay lemon meringue. <laughs> yeah, I, that had to have been Tawny just having yeah. fun in the in the recording booth. It's like not even the same beat. It actually, it sounds like it's going to go into uh, the Little Mermaid right. song for some reason. But it was like Tawny Newsom's memory of that Deep Space yeah. Nine Deep Space Nine episode coming yeah. out as Mary. <laughs> lemon meringue. That's what I'm going to think of now whenever I see the, the, the move along home. And the, the the joke, the, I don't know, maybe this is my my favorite gag in the whole episode, but when, when Rutherford does get out of the Wadi game and then the inner light beam strikes the gift box? Yeah. <laughs> Just, did, did he inc- it, it, like experience the entire life as a box and was his wife a box? And yeah. Like- <laughs> Because that's something I've always thought about with the inner light. Like, maybe those people don't actually look that humanoid. And it just, in Picard's yeah. version of it, they, they look like him. Maybe they they could have been, like, lizard people or something. Who the hell knows? They're inside his brain. They could just found, found like, okay, this is what all of his But I think it would like. be funnier if he didn't, if, like, his wife wasn't a box. But then, like, maybe, <laughs> like, their kids look, like, half box, half normal, you know? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh I think it's a bit cruel that the the lower deckers wanted to send Dirk into the into that probe to live like a whole tragic lifetime. Uh, however, like my rule with lower decks is that it does the show does need to be an animated comedy as much as it needs to be a Star Trek show, or at least that's yeah. the mandate they've given themselves. So, if a joke like that that I think goes too far for Star Trek, but if it makes me laugh, then I'm not going to complain about it. And I did I laughed out loud when the Spock said, "I miss my." Wife, a callback. Which is to, the second time that yeah, they said that in this season. Yeah, is someone going to miss their wife next week? Also, but I, yeah. I did laugh at it. So, so well done. Not going to complain about it being. Too is there like a, a quota for the? You can only have two or three or something like that, and then that's it. Cut them off. You know what's funny is that in season three they had a legacy character return every episode for like the first four <laughs> episodes because it was like James Cromwell was in the first one, yep. and then you know they brought in the uh, uh, Leia Brahms. Uh, 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 you remembered her name uh, a couple weeks ago when I when I forgot it. A uh, Susan Gibney. Oh yeah, Susan Gibney. I only remembered it because Aaron had to remind me a couple weeks ago. Uh, but it was just like every episode had somebody come back, and I was like, "Are they going to do this for the entire season?" And then like, <laughs> no, they only did it for like the first nah. three or four. But I wish we had gotten Armin Shimmerman to do the box voice, though. That would have been fun. Yeah, there's already like so so many uh, voice actors in this episode. Oh, yeah. I think. No, I know. I think that would have probably but... cost prohibitive on top of it. Yeah, um, I, I'm happy with him being Quark and someone else being yeah. the, the. But this gift voice, box. yeah, I mean, all gift boxes probably would not have the same voice. So. But the the other reason why I think Dirk is a comedic mastermind is just the the idea of he went and and 
made up this fake story to tell Mariner and then brought her all the way back to his quarters, knowing that they're probably, you know, sweating bullets this whole time. And then he's like, wait a minute, I, I'm meeting uh, Maglimo in his office. I walked all the way to the side of the ship for no reason. I should go yeah. over there. Like, I guess he, has, he like, did a that camera. on purpose, obviously. Yeah, he has a camera in his quarters. He knew they were setting something up in there because when he came around the corner, he starts talking about like the Wadi Chula game. He's like, he's like, yeah. these little punks, they think they're going to trap me in the Wadi Chula game. Like, what? Ransom, watch this. Watch this. I mean, yeah, it's funny how that there there seems like there should be cameras everywhere until they need them not to be or something like that. That's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very on Voyager. There is after yes. it returned from the Delta Quadrant, at least, as we learned yeah. last week. That's true. I have, a, you know, a camera in my kitchen. So like if somebody breaks in while I'm out, it'll do the sound or the whatever. The sound will trigger the, the recording. I need to get a uh, a camera to watch my dog when I have to go work in the office. Just to, like, what are you doing all day? Yeah, that's the other thing I look for my cat. <laughs> I guess let's talk about like our, our ending. Everything. Uh, yes. Everything ends in the Cerritos bar. We didn't really get a wrap up besides, you know, like, oh, the, the Vexalon is fine. There was no like kind of wrap up on that. Yeah, the episode, like, we're talking about it being, like, well-paced, and now there's, there's like, no fat in this episode. It's, right. Uh, it's, very, it's very slim. It is, it, I don't think I noticed this the first time. It's a episode. Because it's almost the same width as the uh, frame of the window, but the you can see the a, a sliver of the ring world through the window on the right-hand side. Yeah. It looks it looks pretty cool just there yeah. hanging in the background. I mean, again, if, if the, the video game Halo is probably the most common... People would uh, pop cultural use yeah. of this, but it it's, it also showed up in the other star franchise uh, recently. They had uh, I the, heard that the Boba Fett show. They had the uh, the Mandalorian went to one of these things. They have artificial gravity though. Why would they even need that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they just thought it l- looked cool. Um, <laughs> it did probably. But yeah, in, in real life science, we'll probably see a lot more structures that have to generate gravity this way through some type of uh, yeah geosync i don't know has anyone ever actually figured out like a way of like how like sci-fi show gravity plating could work is there is that like a theoretical possibility in real life if, i want to so, say I that when i was working on a sci-fi book when i was in high school which probably <laughs> would be cringy to read now i think we tried to do some research and figure out like here's here's kind of a you know a techno babble way of why it would work so I, I think there is out there like oh here's a concept of it but I've also heard the theory that gravity plating like maintains gravity for a while after you cut the power out. Like power has to be down for like many hours for like the gravity to completely like go away. And that's why in sci-fi shows, whenever like ships lose power, but people don't start floating. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe it takes a while for this future gravity tech before it actually shuts all the way down, you know? It's like, oh, that's a cool little headcanon. But like in Star Trek, I don't know if that works because sometimes we see them turn gravity off pretty quick. Like in the music. Yeah, but they're doing that on purpose. Like maybe, I don't know. Where the uh, the Klingons in Star Trek VI, they lost gravity fast. That's true. (laughs) Uh, But Klingon gravity plating maybe works with a different technology than Starfleet gravity plating. Well, speaking of the slaver weapon, that's where we, we learn, you know, how how canonical this is over time, I don't know. Uh, things do change, even though it was supposed to be, at the time, what it was. They found a gravity belt inside of one of the stasis boxes, and that was supposedly the basis of all Starfleet a- uh, gravity plating. They basically, mm-hmm. ancient tech that they retro, uh, uh, retcon not retconned, what am I trying to say? Um, reverse engineered. Right, yeah, that was going to be the the explanation for how all the spacefaring races that that, that actually is yeah. like pretty good world building because it's like this is why everyone's kind of on an equal technological plane. 
That makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, did you notice like they also, for the most part, seem to be on an equal speed plane as well? Like the NX01 era, not everybody's zipping around at warp nine. People were more, you know, warp five, oh, warp yeah. seven. So I don't know if the whole galaxy evolves at the same time. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, but. Yeah, I mean, that was like when Voyager first went to the Delta Quadrant, they were more advanced than most of the races. But I think I think the Voyager yeah. riders are like, it's kind of lame if like every planet we go to, people are like primitive compared to Voyager. Yeah. So they stopped doing that after the first yeah. few seasons. But, they had um, a couple really cool races there. I like the the, the dinosaurs that it came from Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Distant Origin. Yeah, that's a great yeah. episode. The Voth. So anyway, so the... The wrap up is that they are in the uh, having their drinks in the Cerritos bar and uh, like, OK, you know, let's let's not get hazed again. <laughs> and, and then the, the audience is in on the joke with Dirk yeah. and Ransom that it, that it was hazing all along. And, uh, and and yeah, like we see that like Lancelot is fine. Dirk is keeping an eye on him. Oh, that's kind of a dick move to have poor Billups all stressed out. I hope at some point they, they tell Billups like, oh, Lancelot's OK. You have nothing to worry about. Lancelot seems to be having fun. <laughs> yeah, when when Dirk six Lancelot on Rutherford, he calls him a, he calls him a weasel, and I don't for some reason like that made me funny. It's just it's funny to me that in like the like animal hierarchy, as like we would consider like a weasel like a lower life form than a ferret. Like if, <laughs> it's like it's derogatory to call a a ferret a weasel, you know? Like I don't know for some reason that's just that's just funny to me. Was it last week or I think it was funny when Doctor Tiana says, "Why does everyone talk to me about their pets?" <laughs> It's like I guess yeah. if you saw somebody who's like a cat person, you might do that. <laughs> Billups is a is an animal person. He's because uh, he had a pet dragon as a as a youngster, and, oh, yeah, and now right. as a as an adult, he has a ferret. So you know, probably be hard to, to keep oh, this a dragon kind of a downgrade. But... Yeah, yeah, the, the the dragon wouldn't fit in his quarters, so that's he he switched to a ferret. Jill asks, "Why does is Lancelot so taken with Rutherford?" And I'm thinking that might be because he probably sees Rutherford more than other people. Because he yeah, hangs, out, hangs out with Billups. He smells like engineering. Like if you oh, work next true, to the yeah. warp core, you just you pick up like an antimatter smell or something. I don't know. Ferrets can pick up on it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the ferrets behave mysteriously. I don't. I don't know what they. They're they're beyond what I can comprehend. Did we uh, exhaust this? Uh, everything we have to say think, on, think, on this yeah. episode. I think so. It did have some fun, you know, little jokes and stuff, and it was. Overall, you know, it's a it's a good episode. Yeah, there's nothing nothing gigantically that pops out as amazing, and there's nothing that is horrible. And that's yeah, it's kind of a nice change of pace. <laughs> it is a solid lower decks. I think season two of, of Strange New Worlds kind of left me on an emotional roller coaster with like up and down and all the different funny and then super serious and cringy and yeah, what's going on? So. Yeah, yeah. Nice to have the, just uh, Star Trek. <laughs> the uh, the the wider variety in in Strange New World, which I I really enjoy, but I also I, I like uh, I like consistency as it, well. So I appreciate it. It just feels like they could have rearranged them for pacing reasons or something like that. There's just like I don't know. It was it was weird. Yeah, those episodes are gonna play strange and in, in binge watching. Yeah, one of those episodes in a season or two even would be enough. But it felt like it was just. It's like everyone was trying a different thing. It's yeah. like, what is this? It's like an anthology show all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and that's their. They've taken that on as kind of their mandate. They they uh, that that writers room that they, they seem like to to really be into that. And they said yeah. like uh, they're gonna they're gonna double down on that even more in season three. So wow, all right, <laughs> that'll be interesting. Are we gonna get like? I know, I'm trying to think of what other what other genre that they could throw. Yeah, in like a uh, black get, and white like, film noir. Or, yeah. <laughs> Like a, a silent episode. 
Oh yeah, it's everybody like, uh, does that when they're trying to be artsy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, how, how many how many different ideas uh, are you going to be able to come up with? But um, how many are they going to crib from Buffy? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, are they going to have a character who just shows up, and you're supposed to think that they were always there? Oh yeah, they're going to have like a Don character. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of do yeah, that Star on, Trek on TNG that. actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh, what is this? He was he had an Irish name like McGinnis oh, maybe, and something. I thought it was a Mick in there, but anyway, yeah, him. Yeah, when they uh, they lost their memories. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm 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 good with this. I think pretty good plays. Let's go into the Gorn egg section of the show where we talk about the uh, Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections. Uh, Aaron, feel feel free to interrupt me when you have a uh, some behind the scenes tidbits okay. to to share. Uh, but, it's not a lot, but it's like it, there's something. So, but just the, the setting of the episode on a uh, on a ring world environment, um, which you know we we mentioned it was kind of a kind of a callback to. The Dyson Sphere from TNG's Relic uh, when when Scotty came back, but uh, but yeah, the Larry Niven deserves credit for uh, popularizing the the concept. Um, but since which... we have a Kazinti, it's kind of nice that they also did that because it ties into the original. Like I'm wondering, I have to go back and reread Ringworld. I haven't seen it for a while. I heard it. Heard it? What am I trying to? It's Friday. I have not read it. The audiobook? I have. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I I started, but it's like super. The guy is so. The intonation is so the same for everybody. You lose track of who's talking. It's just like okay, it's easier to read this. But just the. I wonder if this ring world is the same ring world in that universe, or like it's supposed to be that. You know, it's just. Just that they're in different, you know, universes. I don't oh, yeah. know. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, idea. to to read read. Yeah, if anyone's familiar with the book, let us know if it's compatible with what we saw here, or if it doesn't work for some reason. Boimler being kind of nervous about his first command mission and and all of that stuff. Uh, that is going to be very reminiscent to anyone who's uh, watched the original series, because we see Spock do the same thing in the Galileo 7, which was the first uh, away mission he commanded, which was a bit odd when I saw Strange New Worlds have yeah. Spock steal the Enterprise uh, and and go to a, a Klingon, or a, a, a planet on uh, the border with Klingon space, but I guess that well, wasn't... If we're, if we're saying everything's timey-wimey, maybe it, it still makes sense. Yeah, or he was talking about specifically, like, commanding a, a, a like, a specific official mission and not a... Yeah. A renegade off the books thing but the the power relays we were talking about how they, they were 22nd century technology they they look uh almost identical to the enterprise warp reactor from yes and this Star is Trek where enterprise. phil murphy because i asked him about that i'm like these this can't be an accident he's like uh they're basically meant to be um repurposed mod- they're modified warp five engines and you know the federation and starfleet uses old tech themselves i mean the state of art state of the art ships in their time go on to be transport vessels year later years later so basically yes these were repurposed engines which means we've had some sort of contact with them probably for a while right you know typically with lower decks if they want to show us that something is old they make it look like tos era technology yeah so it's just interesting here that they went with uh, enterprise era technology yeah. but yeah it, it would make sense that like during like the time of the original series or maybe like shortly before the original series there would be like a lot of stuff from the 22nd century still around because we mm-hmm. see a lot of 23rd century stuff there's kind of a 23rd century In hangover century. into the 20 yeah. yeah and it was because like on tng they were using like all the assets from the the harv bennett movies like oh look at this yeah. gorgeous bird of prey model let's put it in the tv show and 
But I, I love like we can take like a real life production reason like that, be like, oh yeah, Star Trek technology lasts for many decades, yeah, and then kind of apply it in universe, and then see like that logic. It reinforces, you know, it reinforces those creative choices in in the eighties yes. and nineties, like now, and I love that. I, that's that's yeah. cool to have like this this uh, universe that we've been telling stories in for six decades. Well, this, and I think. That's where some people are like, oh, you know, canon and and the history. It's like it's just a you know it's a shackle and all stuff. Like, I honestly think it's a reverse. It's like it gives you there's a framework mm-hmm. to work in, and you can do all these really interesting things, and you can introduce something that changes things. So, you know, or it puts a different light on something that happened in the past, where you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Yeah, and um, I our our friend Larry Nemechek has a good way of describing it. It's not so much like you know forcing storytellers to adhere to these rules, but just like if you understand these rules, you can still break them, but you can break them and you can break the rules in ways that make sense. Yes, which uh, I I think that's a good way of I I, I totally get what he's saying when he says that, and I think that's yeah. a good way of, of framing it. So yes, these are warp five inches, so that's cool. And there, there's even a comment in the you know the dreaded series finale of star trek enterprise uh these are the voyages but someone in there uh talks about how i guess it's archer how the the enterprise is going to return to earth and all the warp five ships are returning to be decommissioned because yeah. now they have the new warp seven ships uh, they're going to replace are those them. engines i guess yeah yeah so there was It'd be uh, interesting to have one of these as the nxo1's engine like they just <laughs> yeah no, 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 not only the, did you uh, have a piece of it in the strange new worlds episode bo- episode boimler you defused one <laughs> There's actually in the novels, I think they said there were four NX ships because they're all yeah. named after the American space shuttles. So there, yeah. there's Enterprise, uh, Columbia, Discovery, Atlantis, Endeavor. and Endeavor. So I guess that's five total. Five. So, so these um, are four. It's four of the five. So I, I guess so, someone else needed the other one. So maybe the, well, <laughs> no, maybe no, no, it's... no, no, no. The other one, the other one is still yes. on the Enterprise at yes. the Fleet Museum. Yep. <laughs> so we solved well, it. We, we cracked cool. the code, and we were we yeah. were worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I know it's like with this episode. Look at all this stuff. Uh, plenty of stuff in the anomaly. Speaking room. of all this stuff, <laughs> yeah. like I was saying, like a lot of it's stuff we we saw before. They 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 do first show Lancelot. He's in the box with the yeah. bat left, so they kind of sneak him in early there. Uh, the the nomad probe that we talked about. The uh, uh, looks Vulcan like it has rocks on Le- it. Vulcan Lerpa. Yeah, there's yeah. rocks on on the nomad probe. That is odd. Um, Maybe they dug it out. Oh, and it is sort of dirty. Maybe they dug it for, out from the ground. Yeah, I mean, someone had to draw that huh. on there. You know, yeah, it didn't appear by accident. Uh, the the Whitey Chula game, which uh, it is smaller but looks similar to the uh, the game yeah. board that they bust. Maybe out they they've the uh, improved their technology and it got smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, miniaturized. Uh, There's also that's... the above in the shelf behind him the uh, the. Um, Romulan cloaking device. Yeah. The uh, Betazoid gift box, which first appeared in Haven, ah. uh, played by Ar- actually Armin Shimmerman's first appearance in Star Trek. Yep. It's terrifying. <laughs> and he was a Trekkie himself. He he grew up a fan of the original series and uh, almost couldn't take this job because it, it, I think it, he had a scheduling conflict with Beauty and the Beast. I believe he was a recurring character on the Ron huh. Perlman, Lin- Linda Hamilton, Beauty and yeah. the Beast show. Huh. Um, but he he really wanted to be in Star Trek and get his foot in the door and like oh they're making Star Trek again so <laughs> I mean it worked, hey great career move that he got in with those people so they yeah. Star Star Trek took better care of him than Beauty and the Beast so <laughs> uh, got gave him a lot of work yeah and then the uh, the the Caton probe which we talked about looks different uh, but uh, is uh, obviously meant to be uh, similar to the machine we saw in the yeah. Inner Light 
And I, I believe that uh, Sean Farrick also said it kind of resembles a giant uh, wadi game piece, but like cut in half. Or like two of them, like uh, or two of them glued together, maybe? combined, or, or like yeah. what? Like you take like the uh, the top, you take half of it and like turn it one eighty degrees. But but yeah, kind of like, like it is uh, strangely similar to a wadi uh, game piece. Yeah. Uh, but th- there were some there were references to lower decks own continuity itself. We yes. have Boimler sees the uh, the Black Mountain from the, the shacks fought the ghost of his father or something yeah, like that right. on <laughs> the, the the great koala which uh, uh i don't know Aaron, if that's what he's actually called i just call him the great koala <laughs> you know what i think you started something because every thing i've seen today says the great koala so oh, okay. either you pick that up from somewhere else somewhere, that everyone else yeah. is picking up from or they've they've uh, they've gotten it from you but <laughs> uh Aaron made a, a a short video that's on the uh, it's on the Text Trek YouTube channel and TikTok and uh Instagram so you should follow all of those uh yeah, but, and we're uh, uh like I'm setting myself up for this not to happen but I'm going to try and do one uh kind of gorn egg or something like that like once a week now that that's uh, that is a lot of work to take on but if if uh, if you can do it i think people will be uh, excited for that so yeah, i mean they're 20 subscribe. seconds which is helpful too 30 seconds or whatever max subscribe and share those and comment on them and uh tell aaron you think they're good so that he keeps <laughs> uh he keeps making them okay i thought it was interesting that the the red room was not red <laughs> Right, the the like most iconic thing about because I, I don't I don't yeah. know Twin Peaks. But I think the floor I, might be the most iconic part, but yeah, it's it's still everyone I talk to is like, oh yeah, the red room. I I totally see it now. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the great koala appears again. So I don't know, maybe the koala has has big plans for Boimler. It keeps like showing up and stopping them from crossing over into the, the way afterlife. The, the so. light is done on it. That weird thing. It has that look of like if you put three D glasses on, it'll pop out at you, <laughs> like this sort of doubled over blurry edges thing. I feel like if this was in a show that was like less weird than Star Trek, but still something I wanted to take seriously, like this might annoy me. But I feel like in Star Trek, it's so easy to explain. It's like, oh, like, yeah, there's all these like super powerful beings. Like, yeah, there's no reason why one couldn't take the form of a koala or like, I don't know, it could just all and be it's a, just hanging around for head. a few millennia to watch, you know, creatures <laughs> yeah. as they pass away and like what their their death ritual is like <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it just, it's just it happens to have its gaze cast on the Cerritos right now. Like we don't we can't understand the great koala. The great koala <laughs> works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Um, that's all I had on, on, uh, Gorneggs. I don't, was there anything, uh, anything else important I should, I should mention? No, I don't think so. Okay. We've got well, all of them as, as much as we can. Uh, we, we do love hearing what other people think about these episodes. Y'all just heard, uh, Aaron and I talk about this one for an hour and a half. So now it's, now it's your turn. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Please, please comment on YouTube or you can reply to my tweets on Twitter or, uh, reply. I'm, I'm, I'm using Instagram now, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So please follow me on Instagram at TX Trek and give me some pointers. Uh, I'm, I'm an Instagram moron and, uh, <laughs> I, I'm on blue sky too at TX Trek. Uh, you can follow there. Um, and, uh, and, and help me. Uh, I, I have, I haven't posted there yet, but I, I'm going to start posting. I keep putting it off. Uh, but I did get some subspace transmissions on last week's episodes. On uh, on Star Trek Twitter, uh, our friend Starfleet Sohel said uh, the, of both episodes, he, he said he loved them and he's glad Lord X is back. Wayne Vato on Twitter said uh, both episodes were hilarious and he liked the overall arc that's happening with the big bad. So I thought it was interesting. Which we did not get this week. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that might be why there is no teaser in the opening. I think maybe mm. they, they had something like that planned. And then for some reason, you know, they decided to move that to a later episode or something like that. I'm curious 
This gives us pick more up on time it. for the show. Maybe that's what they yeah. needed or something. And they, they did get, you know, three storylines crammed yeah. into this episode. Pretty like they all f- had plenty of screen time. Yeah, they didn't feel like they were rushed. That's what was nice about it. It's like I didn't feel like we were short, short, shortcutted. We were cheated on any of them. There was no shortcuts to yeah. the story. So I'm curious, will we pick up on because we know like at some point there's some binars. They're going to bite the dust based on the trailer. You know, showed it. I, I think that's all that it showed is like Klingons get blowed up. Romulans get blowed up. And I think some binar get blowed up. Then eventually Federation, apparently. Yeah. Well, I think that might have been like the the Binar are a Federation member race, oh. I, I think. I don't know if that's ever been confirmed in canon, but I assume they are. But I don't know. Maybe they are. Uh, they, are they could be independent operators out there. Um, we had another comment on uh, on YouTube from Opinions No One Cares About that I'd like to share. Uh, Opinions said, interesting that a Voyager episode ended with four ensigns getting promoted. If Harry Kim was watching, he would have screamed. Binars are part of the Federation. You are correct. Okay, so that's when that's when the uh, the mysterious threat turns on the Federation. But uh, fun stuff. Uh, please uh, come back uh, next week. We'll uh, we'll talk about whatever happens in season four, and uh, maybe maybe that's when Binar blow up. Maybe not. But we'll have Jesse Gender with us regardless. Yes. So it should be a fun show. I do need to say thank you though to the Text Track patrons who make the show possible. Which I didn't. We. Didn't have time uh, to do the uh, the typical shout out, but we we usually will do this in every podcast episode. But uh, thank you so much, Starfleet So Hell, Cake is Eternal, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, John Daw, Geek Filter, Earl Grey Trekkie, Quarks Bar, Benjinium, Stephanie Durantes, Matthew Averett, Braxton, Chuck A, and our anonymous supporters. And as always, a uh, hashtag Save Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, come back next week, and until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.